You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome back to Making a Druid, Tom Swift version, Tom's version here, because we're talking about Tom Swift, episode two. Hi, everyone. Hello. I am Teresa, joined by what used to be my partner in the paranormal, but now is partner in physics, I guess. Uh, um, we could be partner in both. They, I'm both. They both start with P. Like, that. that that's that true. Right. Feels uh, right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm here with Allie. Hi. Hi, everyone. Good to see you me- metaphorically. <laughs> I know, it's still weird, you know, right? Because we never we post... See- we never post videos. Like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts that have like a video option and Teresa and I are just like hard pass. No, we no. see each other, but we don't see the people who tune in. Uh, and we, it's not that we don't love you guys. It's just that like, we don't want to stress out about being like camera ready. <laughs> yeah. Presentable. Like when, if I'm presentable when we're recording, it's not because I want to be, it's because I have something else right after like today, not me today. Not, not me. (laughs) I've got a shower after this. So, you know, it's, it's fine, but yes, welcome back to making a druid Tom's version. Um, don't, don't be fooled. We will be back on our, our Nancy version, uh, now January because Nancy is now coming out mid-season for all of our nancy fans out there if you didn't realize that she has been pushed she has been pushed and i am very upset about it not because i think it's a bad slot sometimes mid-season's better but depending on how you get promoted but because i just don't want to wait yeah i was like i have to wait for it and you know it personally me personally it's probably a good thing because i go back to grad school this fall and so, like, it'll give me a semester to to get to, like, my academia brain back on. Um, but yeah, but now I'm, we have to wait till twenty twenty three. How dare! Shut How dare. your mouth! Stop it! Ugh. I mean, I already have to wait to twenty twenty three for the Breath of the Wild sequel. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. I guess I guess twenty twenty three twenty twenty three is the year. It's the year. It's so. the year for media. <sighs> Apparently, well. Anywho, <laughs> all right, we are back. We are ready to discuss episode two and the four B curl. Um, it was a, it was a good episode. Teresa and I have been talking about it for for about thirty minutes. Uh, we both were had visceral <laughs> reactions, strong reactions to this episode. And I was like telling Ali, I was so glad I only got to watch it once because I was sick this week, so I only watched it. See, oh I have to watch it twice because I'm the one that takes notes. And so like you, I was reliving the moment and I was like, God, I hate this. I, I truly this. cannot emphasize how much harder Allie's job is <laughs> for this podcast. It's really not I'm that bad. I'm truly just here for the ride. It's really, really not that bad. <laughs> I just take notes. But I do, I, you know, and I've said this before on the podcast, I do feel like watching it a second time helps a lot of the time especially with a show and we talked about this earlier like tom swift tom swift is very much this is episode two literally two of tom swift um most shows in their first season are still 
figuring out their identity, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, what is the audience going to respond to, how, and especially in something like this, where it's like, it's very much like Nancy, right? Where it has um, a, a long overreaching story and each episode has its own goal of what we need to get to this point by the end of the episode. Um, and so, you know, Tom is still learning, um, still learning how, how that all plays with them. And it takes me back to the days of early Nancy, um, minus the pilot. Cause for some weird reason, Nancy Drew's pilot was t- God tier. I, I don't even know. I don't know how they did it. And, and I'm, I'm like, been thinking about the first season of Nancy Drew a lot because of Tom Swift and how we're going through the first yeah. season now. And that pilot, I don't think would have made such a mark without those like last seven eight minutes oh yeah those those last seven or eight minutes of that pilot really iconic. made it because I, as I'm thinking about it I was like the rest is kind of average like it's like a normal pilot you like there are things that you love there are things that you don't but that those last seven eight minutes really yeah really made it and so I'm like re-remembering all of the growing pains we had with Nancy and like yep And sometimes that's hard unless you really sit down and think about it because of Nancy. Nancy's now, you know, at the end of season three. And at this point, they figured life out. They figured it out. And most shows have by that point. We were also talking about a show that we both love called Psych, which if you've never watched it, you should watch Psych. Um, What are you doing with your life? Literally Um, one of my favorite shows of all time. I can um, watch that over and over again. I I watch it like every day. Um, I decorated (laughs) my house in psych <laughs> but um but no seriously uh that's one of our favorite shows of all time and even it in season one you know not it's the rough. greatest it's like until it got season. further towards the end of the season so anywho it's been it's been really it's been a really good two episodes um and eventually all the little kinks will be worked out and it'll be just like every other show they'll they'll figure out where they're going but we're excited to be here today for episode two and the 4B curl. So let's go ahead and recap what happened last episode in episode one and the liftoff to Saturn. So previously on Tom Swift, Tom finished up his spaceship that would take his dad to Saturn only for the ship to explode once he arrived at the planet with his dad inside. Tom and his family mourn his dad before (laughs) Tom's inability to let the incident go leads him to a video message from his dad which explains that he was actually survived the explosion and had sent a capsule of information on his coordinates to Earth. So I guess it was a good thing that Tom couldn't let it go. Uh, He warns Tom that he needs to find it before anyone else. And Tom agrees because he also found out last episode that a secret organization called The Road Back has targeted his father and were the actual perpetrators of the explosion. Tom and Zinzi go to the location of the capsule's re-entry only to see it explode into a bunch of different fragments. They must now attempt to find the fragments and put them back together to save his dad's life. So that's what happened last episode. Now let's get into episode two and the 4B curl. So an aside, um, (laughs) during the recap before this episode, it explains that Lino is his adopted brother. We did talk about that because we were confused. We did because it mentioned that he was his cousin and his brother. So they have adopted his cousin. Yes. He is his adopted brother. It really did help clarify the kind of dynamic 
we saw between the two of them because it was strange. It wasn't as competitive as I was with my siblings, but and it was, but there's still a little tension there. And I was like, oh, it's because they were cousins, and then he became his brother, and that made sense. I was like, okay, it, I have story. It does. Here. It does definitely explain their dynamic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just wanted to throw that in there because I know that we had talked about that on last week's episode and wanted to put that clarification out there. So uh, we actually compared to last week, especially we had such a long opening before the, you know, the opening sequence. This one was really short. Um, Tom, Zinzi and Isaac pull up in the Jeep and they're looking for a piece. They're looking for the brain, so to speak, of the capsule um, because it was important they got to it first and they pull up they have to get out of the jeep and walk on foot to the actual location and tom makes a comment he says zinzi you didn't wear heels did you and she said no but you did <laughs> <laughs> which i and think he, is just so funny because well, this- he defends his footwear he's like yeah. it's a natural lift <laughs> it is for one as someone who is short it is a lift that sometimes is necessary Uh um but also it's just their dynamic is wonderful it's one of the best parts of the show and and it's like i'm very conflicted sometimes and we'll get to it especially later in this episode and we'll talk about it because we sort of talked about it before we started recording Uh uh-huh and you know how upset i am but Uh it's also just like it's so genuine and real like there's something so authentic about how they play off of one another and a part of that is like there's like very easy chemistry between the whole cast really yeah there's something really special with Ashley and Tian yeah um well and also and maybe you feel differently but I also feel like Tom and Z really come off more as like that sibling vibe than even Tom and Lino Lino yeah And, and I do feel it and we get a little more of that backstory in this episode to help you kind of understand them more. Um, but yeah, they do feel very much like they've known each other for a very, very long time. They're like past that friendship, even friendships you've had for 10, 15 years. Like they're past that. They're like, they, they were really together are in siblings. diapers. Yeah. yeah, they really are. They might as well be siblings. They might as well be siblings. But they go to the capsule piece that Barclay has given them the coordinates for, but it isn't a piece. It's just wreckage. All right. So, and as we, and I left this out of the recap, my bad, as we found out last episode, um, Barclay has been compromised by Rowan. Um, so Rowan, we know works for the Congressman who is a part of the road back. And, um, he has, been on the inside helping to compromise Tom's AI Barclay, um, who he really relies on Barclay for everything, which oh as gosh. a technology person, he should know that is very dangerous. Um, and if anyone wanted to try and like infiltrate or get close to you or compromise you in any way, all they would have to do is go to that single source of like yeah, information. <laughs> And the way he describes them late in the episode is like really defensive. And it's like, you realize how lonely Tom was growing up because he's like, Barclay is someone I created at the age of eight, which is like, what? What even is that? I don't even know what that is. And then, but he's like, he's like not, he's like not technology to Tom. So to him in his mind, like 
he could never be compromised. Yeah. And, is more than an AI. And we definitely see that a couple of times throughout this episode. But we have the opening sequence and then we cut to the swift plane, the jet, right? His private plane. Um, and there's a little bit of exposition speak where they explain to the audience they're looking for the brain capsule piece. Tom is confused because, again, Barclay messed up. But he reasons like, oh, well, I did build him when I was eight. And so he, he like gives them, he, he describes it as like the equivalent of a technology spa visit to try and, you know, cleanse him or like. <laughs> Clean uh, him up a bit. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, so he goes, Barclay is now offline. Uh, Zinzi and Tom start bonding over the past when she w- mentions his one eyebrow look, which seems like a casual reference that later in the episode we actually revisit. Not so casual. <laughs> Not so casual. Um, and we do, and this is why going back and watching it a second time was even better because you could see a moment of panic right here. I did notice that. He ha- that. Yeah. He like has like a, an unusual reaction to what should have been like a funny story of like, we've all had like that one friend or that one sibling, or even maybe it was you who like shaved off one of their eyebrows for like off on, on a dare or something. Yeah. And, and like, he like claimed it was like a look, right? It, yeah. And it was just like, that's such a strange thing to say. Like, I was just like, mm. it was such a strange reaction. And I did raise my eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. And he does. And he mentions, he's like, you know, don't, don't show Isaac. Right. Because see, really it wasn't a look to him. And that should have no. been Zinzi's first like clue. And we talked about this and I know Zinzi we'll get more into beef. it, but like. And Teresa and I've already talked about this, like this whole episode, there were a lot of times where Zinzi, especially, but also his mom, it's like, how, how, how did you not pick up on some of these things? <laughs> and it's like the kind of, and it's the only kind of dense you see with speaking because Tom, Tom's things all connected to his sexuality. Yeah. It's the kind of dense you see with straight people who just don't get it. And like, you would expect more from people of, who people who have other marginalized identity to be like a little more, you know, aware and causing it of like how people are reacting. But sometimes you just, you just don't get it. No yeah. matter what your identities are and how they intersect. That's true. But um, anyway, so she, she didn't pick up on this moment. No, she, she does not. pick up on the Isaac thing. And she mentions to Tom that Isaac had a girlfriend and how she had thought that Isaac was gay. And, um, by the way, this did confirm that Isaac has a thing for Tom. You're welcome. I disagree. You're welcome. Hey, I didn't say he didn't also have a thing for Zinzi. I just said last episode, I said, I said what I said and and, I meant it. And I like, when I, when this happened, I thought about you, but I still, (laughs) yeah, you did. (laughs) I disagree. I just don't see it. Cause to me, I think, you know what I think it is? I think it's more of a, like, he admires Tom. That's what I was thinking. Like, like I, an admirational type thing that he thinks is, like, feelings. Like, feelings, you know what I mean? I always, the way and I interpreted his feel. scenes, like, and I understand why, because I said, like, yeah, I understand what, where that came from. That's not how I interpreted it. But I, the way I was, like, the way I saw it was him being, like, you can find someone physically attractive without one wanting to act on those that attraction or having any kind of feelings 
but also I just, the way I interpreted that relationship and maybe the as episodes go on, I'll be proven wrong and that's fine. But the way I've been interpreting it is that Isaac is someone who has a connection to Tom in a way and no one else in his life does as a trans black man that's pansexual. And I- Oh, we so, found out he's pansexual right here. Yeah, he, yeah, in the scene, they confirm he's pansexual. And so I see as an older man wanting to like mentor a younger man with all of those identities and, and like taking care of him and like looking out for him. He's not in that ways. much older. Not that much older. Yeah, I don't think Isaac's that much older, but like as someone who's like been through life, right? And like in a way that- well, he wasn't as coddled as Tom was because he didn't have the riches. So, see, and but, I disagree, though. I don't think it's going to go in a in a direction that'll change your mind because I thought of you when I watched this episode because by the end of this episode, I really think they were trying to draw a parallel between Zinzi and Isaac. That's what, yeah. Which is like, I felt vindicated at the end too where I'm just like, yeah, oh, okay. I was like, so, yeah, here we go. So there no, we go. I, I just, I just was happy that like I was at least picking up picking up when they're trying to put down yes but I also agree with you I I saw both I saw what they were doing but I also agree with you and that I really feel like they're setting up for a Zinzi and Isaac thing but still he's supposed to have feelings for Tom that I'm not quite sure are like feelings Feelings? if that makes sense I think it's more of attraction I think he's like he realizes Tom is hot (laughs) you know I'm not and I really haven't seen a lot of discourse about this on Twitter so I need y'all to hit us up and let us know what you think like where do you think they're going with the the Isaac of it all because as we all know Isaac is my favorite he's my new favorite and by the end of this episode (laughs) I agree (laughs) Excuse me, he is mine. You can get your own character. Hey, I don't hey. share Carson, and now I don't share Isaac. <laughs> he, he is mine. I claimed him. I mean, you're, you, yeah, you were the one that immediately was like Isaac. Um, but by the end, he was like by far the best. I was like, okay, so like he's going to be the head of like the reason, the reasonable one, the one people go to for advice. He's going to be the one that really- No, kind of like that other dude. What's his name? Oh, yeah. You clearly Carson. have a type is what I'm saying. <laughs> I clearly have a type. <laughs> All I want is someone reasonable who has their shit together. <laughs> I, I am waiting for With the a brain. Hot- hot mess of a character that parallels ryan to just pop out of nowhere <laughs> for I mean, me to be a like, little bit of a hotness which is probably why i feel so defensive for him i'm like <laughs> he's a hot mess in a different way very different very different but he, he is a little bit I, of a hot mess and by uh, hot mess i mean hotness he's hot he's hot like i have a type two and that is the hot messes that are billionaires obviously obviously (laughs) but anywho so um we find out again that isaac has a thing for tom he is trans and pansexual that was confirmed and zinzi says judging by how he brings you coffee he's tom sexual and i don't date men who are interested in tom swift and i put well now she has to date him because she said that she said she wouldn't (laughs) yeah like that that was that was an obvious one you know what i found really interesting about this comment was one it confirmed the sibling dynamic right and then two it was just like so is a guy bringing someone coffee all it takes for you to think they like them because <laughs> that bar is really in the way he brings him coffee 
which way. is just bringing him coffee. Apparently, it's a special kind of way. I don't even know. I don't know either. <laughs> I want seems- someone to bring me coffee in a special way, <laughs> but make it tea. But make it tea. I think the only thing special about when when we saw. Isaac bringing Tom coffee was that he knew he needed the coffee because he would be grumpy otherwise. Yeah, he just kn- knows him on a deeper level, which is just comes with time and proximity. Because you're so desperate, stop it! You're just coming off as desperate now. So anyway, okay, first that- of all, <laughs> I too would, if I were Isaac, I would also have a hard time choosing between Sunset and Tom. They're both I mean, really you're hot. not wrong. Let, we'll They're get to really that hot. outfit change a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> So back at Tom's mansion, Barclay comes back online. Um, He says he feels better. He shows them the reentry once again, says the heat of the reentry negated his ability to lock on. Tom manually does some math stuff. I don't know. I don't do math. And figures out where the actual brain landed. And Zinzi recognizes that it landed on the Darby estate. And that's the first time we hear about these awful, awful human beings. So anyways, uh, apparently Tom hates that family and Zinzi loves them. Isaac decides to reserve his judgment. Now, Isaac is a reasonable human being. He ends up also hating this family. I feel like this episode, you know what this episode taught us? We should only ever listen to Isaac. (laughs) <laughs> like he was in special forces also by the way so he's, it's literally his job yeah to pick up on shit like that and so like this whole episode he was right about everything and i'm like why are we not just listening going to him for everything everything i agree i totally agree like I, and like we and like i said we found out he's special forces this episode that's literally what they do and it's just because he was he like i think it's this scene though where he like was like oh wait because they were like looking at the camera stuff with barclay on and he was like rowan did something to barclay or was that later no it's later i wrote that down but no yeah he has several things this episode that he picked up on that no one else picked up on and i'm just like where okay so maybe after this episode though like tom realizes this episode that he was right about a couple of things so maybe after this episode we'll see it's but um Isaac so should the be Darby's, in charge. <laughs> so the Darby's apparently own oil, like um oil reserves or whatever. That's how they got all their money. And it's been several generations now. So now it is officially generational wealth. Um and Tom Tom makes a joke, like, who even uses gas? And Zinzi says, Your private jet. Um, but their estate is extremely well protected. Um, which is why Barton sent the computer there, right? The brain, um, because he knew that it could not be easily accessed. So Zenzi offers to DM Chris, who is the son of the Darbies. Uh, but Tom shuts her down because apparently he really doesn't like Chris, which we find out there's a reason for that. And Tom and Isaac start to plan a way to like kind of rough house their way inside. But Zinzi convinces them to try and do it in a nice way, which that's nice. It's wonderful. However, we should have just listened to Tom and Isaac. We should have this. Like after I saw like how all of this played out, I thought about this scene where I was just like, Tom's actually being very reasonable. (laughs) 
this entire time I feel like was um and he's and I mean we you guys heard how I defended Tom last episode but I surely not I think I truly think like this episode showed like how how much Tom can set aside his own feelings if it makes other people more comfortable and we've got kind of a background story as to like how and why he does that because that's what the Swifts do like that's what people in their position do right you like shove things inside (laughs) um yes you save face and there's a lot of saving face for Tom in this episode until he couldn't save face anymore and I felt like like he was very very deliberately trying to keep it together yeah and avoid any sort of confrontation with Chris like you could tell, like he, yeah. he didn't want to see him. He didn't want to talk to him. He didn't want to like interact with him at all. And it was for good reason. Yeah. And like this, so. this scene at, when, when I first watched it was just me being like, oh, Tom's being stubborn. Like he is like, he just doesn't want to do something. So he doesn't want to do it. And then you hear the story. And, and like, when I think back about on this, I was like, wow, like he's actually trying really hard to be mature about it even if it seems or comes across immature because he's not very good at it, but he like was trying to be reasonable and mature about interacting with someone who made his life miserable. Yeah. And I mean, and he could have told Zinzi about this whole thing, you know, over a decade ago and she would have been, you know, ride or die for him. And like, would have like, but, and we'll get into that later. Like he, you know, anyways so yes i agree like it it it, he was trying he was was trying trying. so um later on tom is with his mom and because she walks in with claire and he says hey mom hi interloper i died when i tell you when he called claire interloper i died it's so funny i died it was the funniest thing. I had to rewatch this whole scene the first time I watched <laughs> this because I was too busy laughing. laughing. Because then he follows it up because she makes uh, Lorraine um, makes Tom apologize for his comment using his full government name, by the way, which is a total like, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know if that's something y'all do in Chicago, but that's something we do in the South. Oh, like, my parents did that. Yeah, Full government name. Um. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Claire. Can I get you a glass of water? As always, you look parched, girl. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, you've got to stop. I can't make it through a whole scene. And this, this is, I mean, and this is the thing. Tom has, I don't know, the I guess the confidence to, like, say the things we all wish we could say to people who annoy us. He has the confidence now. No, right? I mean, not always. Yeah. And, but like him defending himself with snarky comments, which, you know, when you look back, like none of that's actually terrible. Like they're not nice, but like he could say meaner things. It's true, especially to her. Yeah. And so, like, they're not terrible comments, but they still let off some of that steam and like kind of they hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I was just like, I wish I was Tom or I could just do that. I can't. I don't have the protections of billions of dollars or my own company to run, but um, I do have the protections of other identities. 
but I still yeah. can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it either. But anyways, so Lorraine walks in with Claire and Tom, like, you know, makes his comments, Claire leaves and Lorraine's like, I don't understand why you don't like her. She's my friend. And Tom tells her that, you know, he needs to plan a dinner with the Darby's and gives her some story about a mineral on their property that he'd like to experiment with. And so at this point, it's obvious he's trying not to bring his mom into this because one, what if they don't get her, you know, Barton back and he really does die and then she'd have to do that all over again, right? Experience losing him twice. But also I think he's worried about the road back and like what the road back might do to his mother. Um should she have some of that information so um he tells her you know i need i need on their property but he doesn't tell her why and she mentions that you know they did say they wanted to catch up at the funeral this would be her first social event since barton's death she guesses she should do it um she's obviously not looking forward to it she says that if anyone tells her um everything happens for a reason that you know she might explode or whatever um, but she kind of is like, if I do this, I want to sit down and we've got to seriously discuss the Tubman social group, which remains this like unknown entity after this episode. Um, but she tells him, but you've got to be respectable and wear something nice like your father's cufflinks. So Tom and Zinzi break into his dad's safe, get his cuff cufflinks. And we see that Barclay is still experiencing issues and he's trying to, and it's interesting because Barclay, Barclay is AI, right? So it's interesting to see this computer who for all intents and purposes is a humanoid, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out like not understanding certain parts of its own source code. And so he's like, I don't even know why this picture exists. And it's the picture from last week that he was able to use to identify the symbol on the satellite, um, the ring that Rowan was wearing. And so that's how he was able to make the connection to the congressman. And Barclay doesn't understand why he even has the picture. This is when Isaac speaks up and he says, you know, this was that moment uh, at the at Swift Enterprises where Rowan put his hand on your shoulder what if he used this moment to compromise Barclay? So this is the moment you were talking about earlier because yeah. Tom instantly refuses to listen, uh, says Barclay is his friend, not a device. And like, it's very much in this moment, Tom is letting his pride get, yeah. you know. But, I mean, part of it is that like, and we've seen Tom think this, like he's the smartest person in the room yep. and he's like, he can't imagine anyone compromising anything he's ever created. The other part that really like struck me was, and I mentioned this earlier, was the friend comment where it's like the idea of some, a friend of his being compromised through coding and like needing to shut him down permanently hurts Tom because that would be admitting that Barkley isn't a friend but a creation and like I said it's just like it makes me feel like how lonely Tom must have felt or how isolated he must have felt being a black gay man in America 
And despite the fact that he has all of these access to things that like his own family has didn't really understand him in ways that he probably needed to be understood to feel, I don't know, like a full person. And And so he made a person. So he made a person. He made a person who would understand. And it's just, it makes me so sad when you think about it. Like this is an eight-year-old boy doing this. Gosh, I can't even. Eight years old. Eight years old, feeling so lonely. You create yourself a friend who will be with you through thick and thin, through whatever, who understands you because you created him to understand. And like this episode made me tear up a couple places. And this was one of them where I'm just like, that just, it really hit me. And I was just like, oh, Tom, I just want to give you a hug. I always want to give Tom a hug. There's always something happening, but I'm just like this poor, this poor dude, poor, poor dude. Yeah. But so, but we know that Isaac was right. Yeah. I mean, I like Isaac's right. They should have done it. But truly I felt for Tom because it's like. Yeah. Yep. Yep, for sure. So Barclay tracks the capsule piece to the drill mines on the Darby lands and Tom freaks out. Uh, they start talking about the drill mines and how dangerous they are. He shuts down the conversation and says he's not going into the mines. So this is obviously something, right? There's obviously yeah. more to that story and we definitely go there later in the episode. So Tom tells Zinzi that they're going to find another way that doesn't require going to the mines. Uh, she is unconvinced, you know, since that is where the piece is. And um, they go to the dinner with the Darbies. So Lorraine greets him. She tells him he looks so nice. His dad would be proud. Zinzi gets a text from Chris Darby. And Tom uses Barclay to figure out that he is single now. And he tells Zinzi that Chris is an awful person. So Zinzi is obviously interested in Chris Darby. She's known him for a while, but they've never dated or anything like that. But she is interested in him in a romantic way. And so Tom, being the good friend that he is, is like, he's an awful person. He's an awful human being. But Zinzi doesn't want to hear it. And she tells Tom that it's just because they're so similar. And I wanted to, after, after you figure out how, like how he's treated Tom watching this a second time, watching it the first time. And she lists off these attributes. You're like, yeah, I guess they're a little bit similar. They could not be more different. No, 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 no. no. And like, and and Zenzi and I are beefing. Okay. This episode, her, she was a little in the dark. She was, she was, but there are moments where like, I was like, how dense do you have to be? He's giving you all of the signals without straight up saying what's going on with him. And you're, you're willfully ignoring yes. them. I was going to say she's being willfully ignorant because she's interested in him. Yeah. And like, I get it. Like when we meet him, he's cute, I guess. But like, I'm just. Oh, he's like, attractive. Yeah. For and sure. maybe it's because, I mean, I, I am biased. I have a negative bias towards him now. So. Oh no! I mean, he he is he's he's, he's attractive. But like, I was just like, your friend is telling you that he's not good, and despite the fact that you think he he has to be wrong because of jealousy, like when in reality, the reason why he is a dick to Tom is ironically because he's jealous. Yeah. So yeah, you know. it really is. Um, 
But, and then Tom makes a comment about like his whole family. So it's not just Chris. We learn it's also his parents. His parents are like, um, really, really, I don't want to say like crazy jealous, but crazy jealous of the Swifts. And like, they want to, they try and emulate them. It's this weird thing. Apparently they describe, uh, where like the the, the best form of flattery is imitation. imitation? I I don't know. I'm just like that. That is kind of strange. Tom's not wrong. It is. That's weird. weird. It's very weird. And I'm just like, what do you have to be? I guess like, why are you, you're both billionaire families. Like, why can't you just exist and then i'm thinking about it and i'm like well one of them made their money in oil oil eventually runs out <laughs> either way it's really weird that they try and like emulate them it's so weird but tom calls them tacky thirsty and pressed i put in my notes laugh cry emoji i mean <laughs> and i repeat this entire episode tom's being chill <laughs> like I mean, they're worse than that and then he's like, I got it all out. And I'm like, no, Bubby. No, you didn't. You tried, though. He tried real hard. He got it all out. And he really thought that was going to be it. But, yep. I mean. We, he didn't realize them. they were going to come to be like. They like, didn't get it all out. They violence. They didn't, they didn't prepare for this dinner. No, they sure didn't. They go to the dinner. Tom gives a toast. And, like, Tom is being so eloquent. And, like, he gives a really nice toast. And then immediately Chris starts talking shit. Um, And then he goes and turns to Z and is immediately a different person, but still smarmy, right? He's like, I'm so happy you're single. That guy you were dating was so awful, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this guy is so full of shit. But Miss Darby then turns to Lorraine and makes it worse and asks her how she's doing. And tells her everything happens for a reason. And I really thought Lorraine was going to like turn into Mean Girls. That one scene where she like jumps the other girl. Like the animal scene. I thought that's what it was going to be. If she had, I would have liked her more by the end of this episode. Well, I mean, she does have a a redeeming moment here in a minute. But Tom saves the situation before Lorraine can kill her. And Miss Darby then makes a backhanded compliment to Z. But then a an insult to Tom about her eulogy, her, her Tom and how he like got choked up at his dad's eulogy. And then Lorraine comes to his defense that time. She was like, well, you know, words sometimes fail us or whatever. But like these people are just awful people. They're just awful people. And ugh, everything about them just rubs me the wrong way there's and i'm trying to be nice about it because nah just no need there's they're just bad people they're just terrible (laughs) they are because then tom keeps trying to bring it back right to like a reasonable like non um he is trying so hard to cool everybody down he's trying to like diffuse the situation and then Chris goes in on him again, first about his weight and then about the lifeguard situation. And this is the this is the part right here that really got me this episode was them talking about the lifeguard. And Tom, obviously, like he got a, even his voice changed, like the way he was defending himself and about how like it was obviously not the way that Chris was describing, describing it. 
And, and here's where I thought that that either parent, like this was the moment for any of these parents to redeem themselves by trying to be like, okay, this is clearly an awkward situation. Like no one wants to be talking about this lifeguard. Except the parents do the opposite. Yeah. Oh and then God. they go in on it again. And they even mention uh, Tom's dad, Barton, and how Barton was ashamed of Tom being gay. And like, it. oh my God, it was awful. And this is when, when neither like Z or Lorraine said anything where I was just like, okay, I think I'm over them this episode because- they Z were to- at least like the the Darbys were openly laughing. They were Lorraine being, and Z were just sitting there like like don't know what to do. We don't know what I to was do. Like, they're being openly homophobic towards uh-huh. someone that you're supposed to be one of your most beloved people. Like Tom is to- obviously reliving trauma. Yeah, he's clearly he was near tears. Like he was trying to like control himself, but you clearly could tell like if he was alone, he'd be crying. Like. Yep. I and he snapped and he and snaps. I don't blame it about blame him at all. I actually when and I wrote this in my notes that when he was snapping, he was like, it's not even that bad. What he said wasn't even that bad. Like, nope, it wasn't. It wasn't it was bad, true, though. So for them, it was, you know, maybe it wasn't it was, em- it was embarrassing. embarrassing. It was yes. embarrassing. Yes, but it's not bad. Embarrassing. It's not to the level of what they were saying about him. And I and the reaction that they had in the moment of Lorraine being like, you you got my sense of humor, but none of my tact. And like Z being pretty much quiet. And then afterwards, both of them insisting that he needs to apologize. I cried. And I was telling that this whole scene and like the couple scenes after this, I wasn't sobbing or anything like that, but tears were shed. And I was really upset. I had well, a in visceral this- reaction. Well, and this all comes back to the conversation that Z has later with Isaac, right? About their families and how it was all about appearances, right? And not wanting to, and everybody being in this like facade, like every family was a facade. And so that's, this is literally the embodiment of that, right? Of Lorraine being like trying to get it back together and like not further embarrass their family, embarrass, quote, embarrass their family. Like, and and so it really plays into the whole like Tom is never going to fit into that mold. And that's why we love him as a protagonist, right? Yeah, that's true. But, and I just, and the thing that really gets me is like, this is why Tom despite Z insisting that how much his parents love him and how proud they are of him. And like later we get a little bit of that from Chris. You, they don't allow themselves to feel that pride, especially openly, openly, Openly. right. That's what the folder last episode proved. Like, yeah, yeah, his dad was proud of him, but he could never be that way. Openly, openly, at least, especially in front of Tom, because then that's validating all of these qualities they're trying to hide. He's too flamboyant, right? You have to dress appropriately. And, and like, every time they make a comment about him being emotional, I want to throw I, something across the room. Oh, I was I'm like, if rumble. someone else fucking calls him emotional, I'm going to, I, I can't, I can't. I can't. I was that ready. one really gets me. Oh it my really God. And, gets me. And all of these little things. And, and this is where I was talking about. I was like, 
this is a straight people thing where I'm just like, they just don't understand how these microaggressions can lead to someone saying some embarrassing things that aren't even that bad. Okay. They're not bad. You emulating someone and buying the same goddamn car is not that bad. Is it embarrassing? I guess if you take that as embarrassing, you could have easily deflected and being like, well, yeah, we saw it. We thought it was cool. We wanted one. That's literally it. And you could have said that. And then that would have like, it wouldn't have been no harm, no foul, except the harm that you caused Tom. But yeah, I, I just, just, this whole scene was very upsetting. It was, it, it, was, was, it was upsetting. I, it's still, he's going to have to do a lot of work to make this up to me. Yeah. And she the really Darbies, does. I mean, they, they love to dish it, but they can't take it. They can't take it. Are they the ones, are they telling their son that he needs to apologize to Tom? Probably not. No, but apparently we do find out later that they don't dislike Tom as much as, and see, that's what, you know, we find out at the end of this episode, right? All of their aggression towards Tom is rooted in a place of jealousy against Tom and his whole family. Like they want to, which we, there are hints of that the whole episode, but like they want to be the Swift so badly like, and they want their kid to be Tom, even though Tom is gay, right? They still feel like Tom is better, better than Chris. Which I, which sucks Which is Chris, why they pick, 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 pick at any little perceived weakness of Tom, right? Because it makes them feel bad, which is like, I sucks for to be Chris being told that like this other boy is better than you in every conceivable way. I'm sure that hurts, but like, fuck your homophobia take that and shove it up your ass okay because i don't want to see it and it almost makes you wonder though like at the end of this episode like they didn't do the cliche thing which as tom points out at the end of the episode would be that chris is actually gay um but it almost there would be room for them if chris comes back in the future to even perhaps acknowledge that all of his homophobic comments and all of his actions we're not even because he's truly homophobic, but really yeah. just that again, he was trying to find one weakness, Wh- weakness, quote, quote, weakness. weakness. I obviously don't think it's a weakness, but like in like what their, his parents were ashamed of him, right? Not his mom, but his dad. That was the one thing his dad was ashamed of, right? Was that Tom was gay. And so he used that to try and bring Tom down so that his parents will get off his back. So again, I just sucks for Chris, but like shove that homophobia no, yeah. up your ass. Fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck, fuck that shit. But <laughs> I do think that leaves that door open to to really talk about that. Whether or not Chris comes back, I don't know if he will because Zinzi I actually think he will. Hard. He sh- didn't Zinzi shut him down pretty hard. But I don't think that matters. This was uh this next part though <laughs> was part of my favorite uh piece of the episode so isaac and barclay are scoping out the darby estate wall and at this point in my notes i had put what is isaac's background because we don't really know at this point we just know that he recognizes the security right and so it opens up this question mark of like okay so what what was isaac we later find out that he's he was in special forces which is so attractive um it's hotter every time he really does but um 
So anyways, he is scoping out the security wall and we'll get to my, my favorite part later in the episode, but Tom apologizes to Mr. Darby after the dinner, which by the way, I can't imagine pulling my shit together. That tells you at what level of like hiding everything inside of himself at what level Tom has gotten to in his life. He yeah. is like God tier at that. If if anyone comes at me again for, you know, a, being a Tom Swift apologist, I'm going to go to this scene and being like, no, this scene look, is Look what scene. he did. He apologized to this man. There is nothing he had to apologize for. And he still did it because he, he wanted to it. help. He wanted to find his dad. He did. And the it. guy still told him no. And if yeah. he had done that, like if he's, if, if that had been Tom and I had asked for his, this permission and I had apologized and he still said, no, if I were Tom, I would have been like, all right, bitch, I didn't even mean my apology. Like, I just, if that were, I, when people are saying that Tom is selfish, I don't think they understand the meaning of selfish because he isn't, he is. Who says Tom is selfish? It was something they said in the first episode like oh i thought can... you meant like on twitter or something oh, i was I like i will attack but like when 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 people accuse him of that being one of his flaws i think he can be a little egotistical um, but i don't think that equates to selfishness i think it just means that he thinks very highly of himself i was gonna say self-absorbed and selfish are not are the two same different things. things and like and i think that's what what i was like when when you have a character who puts their pride on the side for something that's really personal because they're trying to like one save face because he saw how upset his mother was to save his father despite the, his father's own homophobia and like because that's how much he loves his family and not embarrass his oldest dearest friend in front of a guy he hates but he has full awareness she likes uh-huh and he let her think all those years, this is what I was getting at earlier. This is where I was going. He let her think all those years, not just to like, because he didn't want to embarrass himself, which is what he says later, but he knew she liked him. And and it's like, when you have all of that and he apologizes and he gets turned down and he's like, well, fuck this. Let's just, we're going to break in anyway. Like, just like, you should have just broken in. I'm like, you went through all of that resurfacing of the trauma for absolutely nothing. These bitches are assholes. Yeah, like, for sure. They deserve none of your time or energy. None of it. So I put in my notes and I sent this, I sent this to, uh, to Teresa. And this is the part where I sent you. It says, Mr. Darby tells him, no, what an asshole. Every single one of the Darbys can suck it. <laughs> they really like, can. They really can. So Lorraine tells Tom that he needs to think before he speaks, which is what you were referring to earlier. She no longer feels like talking to him about the Tubman stuff. So that has now been put off another episode. Uh, Rowan shows up. Hey, friend. He is so attractive. I know right now he's like a will they, won't they evil. But like, they I refuse. I refuse. He's not evil. So he shows up with an invitation to the congressman's spring fundraising dinner. And he walks in and, oh, my gosh, Isaac had another attractive moment where he's like, you don't belong here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, tell him, tell him, Isaac. <laughs> I was so excited because um, he's so protective, right? Of not mm -hmm. just Tom, but like all the Swifts and Z. Um, so he shows up with this this invitation and Tom says, so does that make you a human Evite? 
And I'm like, wow, we have evolved. So we've come so far as a society that now giving someone an actual paper invitation is like the novelty. Like I remember when Evites first became a thing. I, when, when that was a thing, I was like, he could have, and this also happens later in the episode with Z. I'm just like, wow, we really, I don't know if this is evolution or de-evolution, but something's happening. It is a little funny though. Like, cause I know now, like you just go on Canva and make an invite and you text it to all your friends. So he's like showing yeah. up with this whole ass envelope. Feels it's fancy. Like, it is. It does. It feels fancy. It's like some Cinderella shit. So anyways, um, she tells him, Lorraine tells him that, you know, we'll be happy to come continue funding the congressman. And in my head, I'm like, you're not going to be funding him when you figure out she, he tried to kill your husband. Um, or maybe she will. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Tom tells Isaac that Rowan saved his life and he is harmless. And Isaac's like, nah, bro, nah, bitch. Yeah, his uh, special forces, like, senses are tingling they're like i was gonna say his his spidey senses are tingling um so we then have a scene with claire and if you don't watch nancy drew um Teresa and i immediately picked on karen vibes with claire and not in the traditional sense of karen that you hear like karen on social media and that there is a there's a character on nancy drew called karen and claire reminds us a lot of her uh so she tells lorraine that she's, you know, leading the company to its future. And she really wants Lorraine's support as permanent CEO because Tom is not ready. And Lorraine shuts her down. She starts crying and she tells her that while, yes, Tom's not ready, she would never take that away from him. He's wanted it his whole life. Um, and she apologizes for getting emotional. She says she hasn't slept in weeks. And Claire offers to get her something from the company to help her with her sleep. And we come back to this later. So Tom is working out and Isaac asks what is going on with Zinzi. He doesn't understand what she sees in like a guy like Chris. And Tom says that Chris fulfills her quote, black love TikTok dreams. And, and this, this whole moment right here though, made me think of Teresa because I was like on what level does Isaac not realize he is asking about Z because of the admiration, the level of admiration he has for Z. And at what point will that. Change? Yeah. Where, where it changed. Cause he's, I'm like, there were, there was a physical, physical reactions to her in the first episode, but now we have like emotional. There wasn't in this one too. There was, there but, was, but I saw it was, it was super emphasized in the first episode, especially with her in that dress but the dress the dress the dress uh, trademark tm <laughs> um but you know what's so funny i was like oh taylor swift play dress <laughs> see and i was thinking about uh beyonce freakum dress oh that's another good one um but the, the but this one we have emotional and intellectual interests in Zenzi that we didn't really get to see in the first episode so i'm really excited to see how it develops it further because yeah. um, it he clearly likes her, even if he's unsure of his footing with her and how in his own personal feelings, whether that's because he thinks he has feelings for Tom or because he doesn't he understands his place as Tom's bodyguard and where Zenzi is socially or for whatever reason, maybe there's a third, fourth reason I can't, can't think of right now. 
that he's hesitant to open that door. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it evolves. I think that they definitely laid some groundwork in this episode. But so Z asks him to come to the office. He goes to Swift Enterprises and Chris is there. So she's arranged for them to like apologize. And like she wants Tom to apologize to Chris. And he's like, no. As he should. As he should. And Chris leaves. And she kind of looks at him expectedly. And this is where we get like the backstory with Chris, before, where he dared him. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was gonna say. Well, I was like, before we even get to the backstory, I this is I was upset with her for staying silent, but I know sometimes it's really hard to fathom the ability to form words when someone's so overtly hateful. Awful. So it's awful. Like sometimes you just don't know what to say because you're just like you can't. Your mind can't believe someone would be this. Yeah, it's awful. like I can't believe that's happening. Like yeah. that you're doing that. And I've and I've and I have an understanding of that. Like it takes practice of of being being able to confront someone doing those things. But when she brought Chris to Swift Enterprise to Tom's office and asked Tom to apologize instead of being turning to Chris and being like, okay, Chris, now you can apologize and have Chris apologize first. So then Tom can apologize for his comments second. I was just like, I'm Chris over Chris started it. Yeah, because Chris, start- he should apologize first. And like, I I lost it. I was like, Zenzi, it doesn't matter the backstory. The backstory does not matter. Does it give context? Yes. But when someone's this openly hateful, openly homophobic, and you're asking the recipient of that hate to be the first to apologize because Negative. we're embarrassed, I I could not. I cried again when this happened. I was like, this is Tom's best friend. Are you kidding me? Tom needs better friends. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I, it was, it, I, I agree with every sentiment that anyway, you just relayed. But I just, and then it was made even worse, right? Yeah. When so you was. find out the backstory. So <laughs> apparently when they were kids, Chris dared Tom, took him down into the mines, which I'm sure he knows because he lives there. Yeah. Took him down into the mines and told him, dared him to close his eyes and stay there. And he would come back for him in five minutes. And that it was, quote, a man test. Well, then Chris abandoned him, never came to get Tom. It was dark. He couldn't see. He didn't know where he was going. He got hurt several times. He lost an eyebrow because of the runoff in the mines before he made it out of the mines. And then... Chris basically told him he was acting like a little bitch and that he was acting too gay. And that's why he did it. Uh, And I'm just like negative. This was like the fourth or fifth time this episode where I teared up. I was just like, oh, I know. Seeing seeing that little boy. Yeah, that really it really hit me. And like after like when we have like all of the science behind like how dangerous it actually is to go down there and you like see it with his protective gear and you're like it makes me even more sad yeah and then Zinzi had the audacity to be upset that he had never told her because she's been friends with them this whole time and I'm like boyfriend literally told you multiple times in just this episode that he that did not like him. oh my and that's another and thing I'm that- like does he really have to give a reason for why? Like it's been over a decade and he is your brother slash best friend. And like, he has told you multiple times well, how much he hates, hates them. It. You and don't think there's a reason is. for that? 
And it doesn't even matter because she, you cannot convince me that that was the first time Chris was openly homophobic in front of Zensi. No way. Because that was practiced. And you want me to feel sorry for you that Tom didn't feel safe enough to share that story when you clearly gave zero fucks before. Because all you care about, and this is, and I, and I understand, like, this is, like, her emotional response to her own trauma. And, like, but, like, her parents, basically, her parents and like, stuff like that. Abandoning but, her future to buy tables. Yeah, like, that and trauma. I, that, that trauma, which is, like, I get it. Your life wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but Chris was awful in front of you and you still wanted Tom to apologize. You still want Tom to apologize. You still wanted to date him. You asked whether or not he was single. You still were telling Tom to be be the one to behave. You did all of this stuff and you're mad that Tom didn't want to expose himself to you. Like it doesn't matter how long of a friendship you've had, you clearly aren't that good of a friend if he didn't feel safe enough to share that with you. And you know what? History has proven he's, Tom might have been right. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Zenzi wouldn't have like put up walls and like done everything she could for him once she knew. But the thing is, is the fact that, that she needed to know. Yep. She needed to know specifics after witnessing all of that to be fully and completely on Tom's side is the thing that bugs me. Because... A, a genuine friend shouldn't need the details. If someone's like, especially I, if he is openly hostile, yeah. And I, because I, I've had friends who just tell me they hate someone, and I'm like, or or I say I'm upset with someone, and they're like, we ride at dawn, let's go, I'm ready. Like, where, when, where are their house? Let's egg it. <laughs> and they don't need details because they're they're with me till the end of the line, and like that should have been Zenzi, and I'm so upset she, that it wasn't. She wanted very badly for it to not be true. She wanted it so badly. And I understand why she wants that kind of relationship because she knows how much of the, of, on the outskirts she is on that social ladder because of her parents. And I get it, girly. I do. But also like how much is Tom's and, and Tom still forgave her, which is like, you're better than me, Tom, because I don't know if I could get over He's such it. a good person. He really is. I really, I'm really astonished at how good he is because I would not be able to get over it. Yeah. Well, they have to figure out a way to get on the estates now because obviously it's not going to be the political way. So Barclay helps them find a way to get into the mines. Isaac says he can handle the fence security, um, but they need something that can protect Tom as he goes into the mines. So he takes a conditioner. He made a leave-in conditioner for him and Zinzi for their trip to St. Bart's. And he takes this conditioner and he basically ups its concentration to make it into like this paste that he infuses into his clothes, which by the way, apparently were worn by Beyonce. Which is freaking awesome because isaac was like we're just gonna cut holes so you can see and he was like no how dare you he's like may the hive forgive me (laughs) shout out to the Hive. um anyways and then of course when you know barclay's like which shoes and he says dior nature but make it fashion (laughs) i yeah oh my god which is just like can there be a more tom thing no they're not happy no so they take uh, Tom's new outfit. They head to the Darby estate. Isaac gives them earplugs 
And we find out why, because Isaac was in special forces and he does some sort of beeping sonic wave thing that disables all of the security on that wall at one time. And of course, Tom did not put it in his earplugs because he's a dumb dumb. <laughs> he never <laughs> he, listens. He does not listen. Uh, but they, because of Isaac, they are able to just drive onto the Darby estate. So they go through, they get to the shaft that's going to take them down into the mines. Isaac is worried. It's adorable. Um, and as Tom starts to go down in, he obviously starts having PTSD flashbacks. Um, he gets a rip in his suit. Acid starts to eat away at it. And he says, fix your wig, Tom. And I put, oh God, this part got me. Because that just that simple line of like, it was almost like his way of reminding him that he's not that little boy anymore. Like, I you guess, know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that he has come to like, He's coming to himself. Yeah. And like he, there, there's something. And I think it's also really interesting that like he knows he can count on, despite the fact that I was harping on her earlier. Zenzi's a good friend. <laughs> LOL. LOL. Oh, she, how the tables those, have turned to quote the Jonas Brothers. Yes. Um, she she is like she has her faults and like this episode she annoyed me for most of it but he is not alone like he was when he was a little boy he's with people who will take care of him and Isaac would literally jump without protective gear in there for them yeah for either of them and I think there's a sense of security in that because he knows that like all else fails if something does happen to him, he has people who will help him or piece him back together. Yeah, for sure. Um, up top, Z is telling Isaac, you know, about how Tom never told her about the mine incident. And that's how it was growing up. We talked about earlier, never telling people about things like that to save face. She admits to Isaac that her parents lost their money when the market crashed and wouldn't admit it to anyone. And that Tom's dad, Barton, actually paid her tuition and that Tom doesn't know. And Isaac says, "Is you know, is that why you go for guys like Chris? So that you can keep up with the lies that your parents? And she says, no, absolutely not. It's that, you know, they make me feel like I belong. Um, and so, you know, she's always kind of, I guess, felt like her position in society has always been very, like, delicate. Even though... You know, she is good friends with Tom, which is why that comment he made last episode about her being his playmate. It hurt. It hurt a lot, especially now because, you know, she says Tom doesn't know. And we find out later on that he did know. He does. He does know. Um, and that was that was a real low blow that. Yeah. Which is like it, this. This story really puts that conversation in a different perspective because you realize how hurtful it was. And how intentionally hurtful it was. I was going to say he knew it was hurtful too. Yeah, even um, she didn't know that he knew it was. Yeah, hurtful. like even if she didn't know that he knew, so like he was, it was meant to sting. Um, she, it still hurt her, and like, so that this was a really interesting tidbit. But it's just the way when she was like, "I'm not a liar anymore," except that she is right this whole episode she was she was proving like she's still willing to save face which is like includes a little even if it's even if they're smaller lies there's still there's still lies still lies so 
But it is a really nice moment between her and Isaac. He also tells her um, that, you know, Chris wants her to think that he is the prize. prize. But in reality, she shouldn't be waiting to be chosen, i.e. she's the prize. And she comments, well, why is someone like you waiting to be chosen by Tom? And I said, they're totally getting together. They're so... This, this scene really, really reiterated what I thought that first episode did a really good job of is that they like each other. They may not see each other as current options, but they totally dig each other and it's going to happen. Um, eventually. It might be a little while. And yeah. And they might be the slow burn, but, um, or like the, will they or won't they, or like going back and forth of yeah. it all. Um, yeah. But it's just really interesting, right? Because you clearly see how much Isaac values her and like how kind of almost not disgusted, but kind of personally like a front, like it's like a, a personal offense of his to have her doubt her own place in society. Like, like yeah. it's personal to him to have someone like Zenzi who has all of these wonderful qualities who Tom pretty much raves about constantly, like to have her doubt herself and settle for assholes like because, Chris. like Chris because they secure her place in the world she grew up in and in they way, make her think that they are better yeah yeah and and it's just like it, it just kind of shows you one how pervasive the patriarchy is but also capitalism and how bad like just the idea of having money and how much better that makes you in comparison to someone else right she doesn't have money anymore so chris is clearly better and chris can convince her of that because he still does and like it's just it makes her feel inadequate yeah it does and despite it's so gross it's so gross and despite the fact that we've this whole episode did a great job of emphasizing how capable she is right Mm -hmm. she kept up with tom and all of his science talk she kept up with her job she made a small comment of like i'm gonna ask claire for pto she went down a mine shaft which we're getting ready to get to so she also kept up just kept up like she just kept up like physically and like and she looked fantastic doing it like yes so just before we continue that's what happens next so tom gets stuck he needs help there's a steel beam in his way so z actually gears up and i put damn girl um and she has a really nice moment with isaac where he um well one he like looks at her like she is a whole meal because she is she was a whole meal uh with her hair her hair what was his name again camille 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 with camille um, but he basically, Isaac has this great moment where he's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And I was like, <laughs> I, I so, love him so I much. I melted. I was on the ground. Did I mention I'm team, team Isaac, <laughs> team Isaac. Team oh. Isaac and whoever makes him Since happy. the first minute of the show. <laughs> I love Before Isaac. we even met Isaac, I was team Isaac. So, um. Anyways, so she actually does go down. She saves Tom with this like laser cutter thing. Um, and they have a nice moment where he gives her like he ribs her about her hair. And she's like, don't act like you're the only one that brings a backup. But um, so they make it to the mine. They find the capsule piece. It actually has a fail safe on it. And they almost self-destruct it because they get into this argument. And it ends up, you know, they end up resolving the argument or whatever, and they apologize to one another. But it ends up being 
the code to disarm the piece is um, the same code that his dad used on the safe were the cufflinks, which earlier in this episode, when they broke into the safe, he had made the comment like, yeah, I figured out the safe combination, took his watches and he never even knew about it. But at this moment, Tom realizes his dad knew that Tom knew his safe combination and therefore he knew that Tom had taken his watches and he had never said anything. And I loved that. I don't know why, but I loved it it's- because it brought back the whole thing last episode of what do we not know about Barton? Like Which we figured so out last episode how proud he is of Tom that he was never allowed or let, never allowed himself, right? To show and, that, like, how much do we not know about him? And then the, the other question that I got from this moment was how much do we think we know about him, but is being misinterpreted because of Tom's own self-shame? I was getting ready to say, Tom is our lens, right? He yeah. is the lens through which we have seen Barton this entire time. And like, we haven't even really met Barton except that one scene. Which like made me hate him a little bit because it was, it was so aggressive. It was like, a really high it was also a really high pressure moment though, moment. right? So, so like that's, and that's like this scene, like kind of, we got a little bit of that in, in episode one, but this, ep- this one really made it like emphasized like how, like how many secrets Barton kept to himself because whether it's because he's trying to keep face or whether or not because he wanted his son to feel he had his own space. He had his own secrets to be. And as and- a viewer, it really showed us there's a lot Tom doesn't know about Barton, which to me tells me there's a lot we, we don't know about Barton. Yeah, and it's just so interesting because the more the more this like as they're trying to figure out the space puzzle, I am figuring out the Barton puzzle. <laughs> and like Yeah, and I think that's by design. I think I mean it is. Yeah, it's just clever. He, his dad was really kind of the focal point of Tom's journey even to Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. right and so we've we've had this whole like idea of how we feel about him before we even came to this show and so like it's almost like a deconstruction of yeah, his character which is like interesting he's right? not even there he's not even there and we're picking up the pieces left of him that he sent tom bit by bit throughout the season and it's just barton is will probably be one of the more complex characters will will come across in season one I think simply because of how much of a mystery he is for us right now and how much of a mystery I really hope we get him back I really do I really want to like see I think he's gonna come back to earth alive but I I want him I want him to be like on the show you know what I mean it's a big question mark right now because we don't know I think I got, I'm getting vibes where he like, he'll come back, but I don't know if he'll make it. (laughs) Yeah. That's my question. I think he'll make it back to earth alive. It's just whether or not he survives being on earth. Yeah. Which is just because I think, I do think he's interesting. I do think, um, with the, with the, the scenes that we got, like the chemistry between the two of them is great. And like, it would be, I feel like not a waste, but kind of like a waste. (laughs) Yeah. With each passing episode, he just becomes more interesting yeah like and so there's it's so like, much there and, and there's and there's a lot to unlock that I feel like we we still haven't even gotten yeah and and there's so much of Barton's own trauma that I think 
could be healed by the healing of Tom's trauma and them working together, um, which I think would be a really fascinating thing to watch the healing of like a father-son relationship, especially one that is very much rooted in like toxic masculinity and like these pressure, this uh, external pressures of, of being black, of being, you know, rich, of being scientists and what that means. So uh-huh. uh, For sure. I would love to have that, uh, that be a thing that in season two, I'm already thinking about it. I know it would be great. But, and it, it's so great because remember season two of Nancy was all about Nancy and her trauma. Yeah. So it's like, give me a, give, give me a me repeat. <laughs> but what's I need it. And I think it's just like one of the most interesting parts of the show. And we like, it's just, I want more of it. I think their relationship's intriguing. I think it's very organic and realistic. And I think it's like something that will give another piece of representation on this show that's severely lacking on television. And, and like, it's just interesting to me. I know that Tom is its own show, but like there are a lot of parallels between Tom, the structure of the show and Nancy. Like Nancy's first season was also a big mystery surrounding her parents. Like, yeah. I mean, so it's you, even you, if she didn't know it, I know, but anywho, so they, they leave the mines. Chris is there with security. What a dick. Um, and Tom said, is there some jackass quota you have to meet every day? It sure feels um, that way. And Chris says, well, you're stealing. And Tom's like, dude, I can do anything and you're going to come for me. And so Chris then goes into some sob story about being compared to Tom and his parents making him feel bad. And Tom's like, so are you jealous? And he's like, no, but Barton was always so proud of you and you have this legacy and I just don't have anything like that. And Tom is so amazed by his dad saying that he was proud of him that like he just forgets about Chris for a second. Everything else. He's like, wait, my dad said he was proud of me. And again, this is another moment where we find out a little bit of puzzle piece, right? Of Barton. That Tom doesn't doesn't know. know. And that is that he actually vocalized those words to people, just not to Tom. Yeah. And so anyways, um, Tom basically forgives him. He's like, you know, this feud really just exists because of our parents and that it's a product of them. We don't actually know one another. I'm going to make Darby a vendor for Swift Enterprises. And then that way we'll share a legacy and I, I want to feel better about this dude, but I don't. He's an I asshole. Don't. <laughs> like that, back, like the sob story gives context, gives no excuse, but it gives no excuses. Yes, context, like, but no excuse. No excuses. And to be honest, even the context get, felt flimsy given the year, the years of how long, how long it was going. Yeah. And the fact that they're adults now. And I'm like, I understand from like 11 or 12 year olds acting out because they don't know how to vocalize certain things, but you're like in your you're 20s a grown now. Ass person. You're a grown ass man. No, that what happened at that dinner? Not okay. You're no longer 12. Okay. That's not okay. Like you, but then, you, then he goes up to Zinzi and basically gives a, a barely apology and is like, let's go out. I can take you to this restaurant and I can get you in. And like, again, does this like whole manipulation, emotional manipulation on Zenzi. And and then, and she has this great line about how she'd rather trim her eyelashes with a weed whacker than ever go out with them again. It was great. But it still, I'm like, and even, and I, at that point, I'm like, did you learn anything? But then 
when Zinzi turns him down, the look on his face was very much like, okay, that's fair. That, and that, I'm like, is this an, evo- an evolution? Like, is he learning? I think it's a hint of that, that like he is a baby. He got what he needed to say off of his chest. And now he's like ready to close that, that chapter of his, in his book, because I just want him to grow. He grow as a human being. Yeah. And like, he might be a little late for certain things, but like his apology was not great, but it felt genuine, right? It could have been a better, you know, better phrased, but um, like, I don't know. I think, and this is going into my predictions a little bit. I do think he's coming back. Yeah. Well, um, but this moment also made me feel better about Zenzi as a friend where when she was like, no, now that I know not. the full story, you're an asshole. Goodbye. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. They have the brain. They take it back. He tells Z about what Chris said about his dad being proud of him. And Zinzi's like, your dad literally chose you for this puzzle because he knows you're the only one that can bring him home. Of course, he's proud of you. Like, <laughs> and you know, but still, again, I really think they're trying to hit home that like he is just so unaware. Yeah. And of so much. And, and which is just, again, goes back to what Lorraine said about like how much they protected him from certain things. And this might be, this is like more hints of like how much they kept from him for various reasons. But I'm also just like shocked at how like everyone else thinks it's super obvious, like how proud his parents are of him, but how little those small actions mean if you don't tell them straight up how much you, yeah, how much you love and how much, yeah, like, like all of that's great, but only if every once in a while you drop the P word, say like, Hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. And then if that's, it really you, means a lot, it really means a lot. And if you only ever say it once, everything else is colored differently. Like all of those little, like everything else means different. And because yeah. he never heard those words, all of those little signs that should have been indications of like how proud they were and how like hurt they are by certain actions of others and how, because it made them feel like they're belittling their family and their son, like would look differently to Tom. Like it wouldn't feel like shame. It would look like something else. Yeah. Agreed. All right. I'm like falling in love with Barton. The more we talk about him and he's just a concept right now. He's barely a character. Uh, Yeah. And I was going to say, it's more like a concept of Barton and who you want him to be by the end of the season. Who I want him to be is fabulous. Exactly. So we circle back around though. This is, this is the scene was very interesting. So Claire gives Lorraine the sleep gel that she mentioned. It's a prototype, which as soon as she said prototype, I was like, well, this is going to have side effects. I was like, Um, everything in me was just like, I hated everything. And she said she tried it on herself, but then she had no idea of the side effects. Like she seemed genuinely confused. So I think like maybe she just didn't try it. But anyways, so there's like a definite scene of sexual tension. Uh, I put in a fair question mark. I know. Well, it's not like Lorraine knows it's a fair. No, right? but like it would be. Yeah. Um. But she like there's a she puts it on her lips and Lorraine starts acting weirdly. Claire realizes that 
She's listening to everything she says. So the trial on this sleeve gel stalled because the gel makes the wearer suggestible. And as soon as she figured out that, my brain was like, oh God, what is she going to do with this? I oh, And like, and she luckily, it seems again, like she kind of like, you know, she asked for her pin number, but then she stopped her. Like she didn't genuinely want to know. Like she, she was like, she was asking to see, would she tell she her? She said, yeah. So it, it was almost like, she's like, this, this scene, this whole scene was like, Claire is capable, but of evil, but she herself isn't evil. Like, there's a difference, right? Like, she yeah. has a limit of things she can and can't do. But and the question is, will she push that limit? Yeah, and that's the question, and I think that's a more interesting thing. And I, I think, think that's what they want you to think, right? That's what they want you to question. Like, how far is Claire willing to take? Because then she asked Lorraine, like, why won't you, what will it take for you to support me? And Lorraine straight up tells her, like, you're never going to be CEO. Like, my husband would never leave our Black family legacy to someone who isn't Black. Which is, like, really interesting because legacy was a thing this whole episode. And we saw legacy come up with Chris. Several times. Yeah. And the idea of and how legacy means different to certain communities, especially for the Black community who lost so much of their history right not that we need to everyone understands but like given the context of how they came to be but like it's so fascinating to me how like even when she's this most suggestible she says the way Lorraine like the way it was delivered came with such conviction and like strength despite the fact that everything else she said and was doing was kind of wobbly and flimsy yeah almost like she was like on drugs or something yeah which i mean she was uh but this 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 moment this was very clear clarity yep and so like there was the sincerity to it that like this is a black legacy meant for black people and she's like and we love and like she's like and we know that she loves her like they're friends and she's like yeah but you're a caretaker you're a caretaker like you are helping us secure this legacy for the next black person to take it over and not Which, just a, any black person but her son yeah for tom and for like, the family which is just like that kind of level of protection of that seems really interesting to me and like what that i'm means. interested to see where they go with this and whether yeah. or not it has any connections to the tubman social group i think it does i mean that whole that whole thing is i know they're setting it up to be a big mystery like, I hope it's not a letdown because they're really setting it up. They to really be like are building the blocks here. And if it's just turns out to be a normal social gathering group, I will be upset. I will be upset. I'll be so upset. I really want it to be a cult. Anyway, back <laughs> at Zinzi's place, Isaac has followed Rowan. Okay. So Isaac is not letting the Rowan thing go. Um, as, as he, he shouldn't. shouldn't. Uh, he is there to deliver her an invite to the fundraising dinner um and zinzi like kind of is like oh yay and i'm like no zinzi congressman bad he's bad well, she knows that right she does so tom is celebrating the first piece of the capsule when he realizes that something's seriously wrong with barclay he looks at barclay's source code he calls isaac who is still watching rowan and he tells him that he found spyware in barclay so um we were right last episode we felt we felt like it was going to be sooner rather than later i was like i'd be surprised if by episode three they just still don't know and i was like yeah. episode two perfect yeah yeah uh your your protagonist can't be at a disadvantage for too long because that would be like 
painful. Anyways, so um, Isaac tells him, well, let's test it. He has him send a message to him about his protein shake recipe. He watches Rowan and sure enough, Rowan receives the text message that Tom has sent through Barclay. And so he tells Tom, like, I'm nearby. Do you want me to do something? And Tom's like, no, we're going to take care of this a different way. And he records a video of himself saying, hey, Rowan, you up? And then it ends. By the way, the sweater he's wearing in this scene is hilarious. I loved it. Hilarious. I loved every minute of this. And I think but, it's really interesting, right? Because um, usually Tom and Isaac are like all for like breaking and entering and like doing illegal stuff. And it's Zenzi who's the one who's like, what if you just talk to people? And they're taking the Zenzi's approach of, seducing Roman which I think it's hilarious well at first and I'll I'll talk about it more in the predictions actually okay let's get into all that okay so that was the end of the episode first up is gadget count yeah so we had four gadgets in this episode um making it a total of 10 gadgets so far which is already two episodes i was gonna say we're climbing a lot of gadgets this is Uh, feeling like like uh ghost sightings on nancy oh my god yeah um which is just and some of these gadgets are like really cool and i like you wish they were real thing i was like anyone with science tell me how impossible or improbable these gadgets are how close are we to this being reality because that spray seems really cool um um no. i really liked um uh, um um the conditioner stuff oh yeah <laughs> it's like that's really neat he made it out of a hair conditioner anyways so our four <laughs> items yeah so we had the conditioner uh I- isaac's little sound thing uh-huh. the laser that helped cut tom out and then the uh, the protective gear outfits right no, oh, sleep the, gel. Oh, wait, the gel, the sleep gel. The gel is the con- uh, the ge- uh, the gear. Is I, the conditioner. I, mean, I counted the outfit and the conditioner in the same as as one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's, that was our consensus. And then the, yeah, the sleep thing seems dangerous because super dangerous. And yeah, we'll we'll get into that. The sleep gel. All right, into the Druniverse. So actually, there were no Druniverse references in this episode. If I caught, if I missed one, let me know. I didn't have any extra Nancy, uh, Nancy things this episode besides the road back. Yeah, um, I think the road back is just going to continue to be like an, a season long arc. Yeah. So. so, all right, let's do ratings. This week we are rating the episode on a scale of one to five human evites. Especially <laughs> if they look like Rowan. I will take all the human evides. All right, what'd you give it? So I stuck with a four. Uh, I did too. Oh, okay. I did. Evites who look like Rowan. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a solid follow up. There wasn't a dip in quality that you sometimes see uh, in the second episode. Um, and I think it it was like I think they're 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 creating a steady a steady output of quality yeah i agree i also gave it a four all right predictions you can go first if you'd like to 
Okay, so I did, you know how I think Claire's in on it. The amount of her, how much she's in on it, I think lowered. I think she's more of a pawn than a planner here. She, I picked uh, up on that too, this episode, after yeah, that scene. After that scene, I think she is someone lower on the totem pole of uh, per se. Um, yeah, but she's definitely in on it. And I think part of the reason I want I think part of her motivation that's been hinted at at this episode is her desire to one, I think to get like closer to Lorraine, I think she does have a thing for her, whether or not it's reciprocated is up for debate, but, and we saw a little bit of how like unusually close she is with her fam, with like the Swift family for someone who's an employee. And I understand her being like a protege of Barton's but it still felt like she was more than that and then like this episode reiterated that and I think she has a thing for Lorraine I definitely think she has a thing for Lorraine and I think that's part of her motivation um where she's promised to legitimately take over Barton's life (laughs) just like a little weird but it makes her for for ripe for manipulation for someone who has more solid motivations and foundations to to be evil um so with that said, given how Lorraine reacted to her, uh, I think she will do something drastic. And whether or not she will come to regret that later is up in the air. But I do think she's going to push her boundaries of how much evil, in quotations, right, she's willing to get to what do she wants. To get, what I she put wants. the exact same thing in mine, in my predictions. Sure yeah, did. and I and I think I part of me does think she'll come to regret it, and I don't know if she'll make it out of this season alive. Yeah, um, she she feels like she's a death list. Uh, she's death on my watch. death list. Yeah, death she's watch on the death list. watch. I do think Z and Isaac have been officially a go in this episode. I think established. It's, like, it's been established. They will be a thing, whether or not they are going to happen this season, or um, or if it's going to be like a push and pull. Will they? Won't they? Uh, or if their end game is up, how th- depends on how the story goes. But I do think they'll happen. I put I that too. Man, yeah, we're uh, two for two. Keep going. Two for two. Um, I think they are. I think there's hints that they are going to turn Rowan. They're, that Rowan will be their physical spy. <laughs> I th- uh, did you just copy my list? No, but is that three for three? Yes. <laughs> it literally, Tom will confront Rowan within the next couple of episodes and we'll have Rowan double agent. Yeah, double agent. Like, I think it's clear as day. Rowan Cooley. And then the Isaac Zinzi thing. I, I Two people who aren't used to putting themselves first will find love with well, one like, another. Yep. And then uh, Claire definitely has a thing for Lorraine. Do we think she's going to use this to her advantage or now that she has the truth? Or are we, is she going to go rogue? I mean, we're three for three. Three, like, three for three. Um, the I had, you know, yes, or not yesterday, last time. It's been a week. Um, When we talked about the Tugman group, I do think. I mentioned like I think it's a front for the um the road back like an initiation thing. I am starting to think like what if they're less of a front and more of like a counter organization? A counter. So like, like you think um Barton and Lorraine are kind of working uh against against the road, ba- the road back and that's why they fund the congressman to keep the road back close. Yeah, and or they thought that the congressman was on their side and he turned for the road back. And that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I like that. Um, and, I had and, put the road back, but uh, not the road back. I had put Tubman. 
And um, I just said, I felt like I better be something cult-like. And I still think it might be cult-like, right? Because often what you find is, is when you have something like the road back, the counter organization emulates them in a lot of different ways. Um, but, but they're like, motivation is just to get rid I, of I, I don't know though I like the idea of them just being like this like group of people trying to take them down take them down because it's like <gasps> what if the Tubman social group was founded by Nancy Drew <laughs> that'd be great wouldn't that be great but because like, so, this is in the future right it is in the future and so I think it'd be interesting and I think it, it, it could also be why um one they're very secretive about what to do and why a family who's so counter to what the roadback is would be a part of it very deeply. And why there's a huge sense of responsibility to get the right people in. Um, because it's like the roadback's been around for hundreds of years and they have a huge advantage. And so I think it'd be interesting. I do think the other one still up, uh, could be up for grabs it for play that they are just a part of the road back and they're just like a subgroup of the organization yeah. Yeah. but I think it'd be more interesting if they went this direction <laughs> um um and and kind of give give the door open for like a Nancy Drew cameo and whether or not I think it'd be I'm starting to think that maybe best might be the best person to make a cameo on the show I mean, I'd like to see any of them. Any of them would be But great. if it takes place in the future, George might already be like a lawyer or like a um, paralegal or something like that. Yeah, but I was thinking best because of her connection to the historical society. That too. Um, It's one of those two. One of those two. Or I guess it could also be Nick. Nick kind of developed a connection with Tom. That's true. He did well. It's not Nancy or Ace. It won't be Nancy or Ace, but um, either of them. It's the other yeah. three. So I think it'd be interesting because I think it would also be really cool to see whether or not the Tugman, if they are a counter organization, how that will be integrated with like the historical society, which we know is an organization against the roadback already, and like what that means if that's like a development or they've sister. So I think that, and then the other thing I think would be really cool or interesting that they kind of hinted at with the Chris and Tom thing is like this, this younger generation, if, if all of the older, if all of the parents are part of the road back and if they're trying to break away from that, if the younger generation would come together to get their families out. So like if Chris comes back and is like part of the gang to help destroy the road back because he discovers like his um, it's like um our own swift version of the drew crew yeah like of, of like the younger of the younger kids they're not children they're all adults but you know what i mean of like the children them, of the families yeah of them heirs correcting the heirs of their of of their parents and going back even further generations because they fell victims to this organization and what that would look like and what that would mean and how it could re redefine the definition of legacy for both of them yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie to you you've said all the things i had written down like all my dots all my bullets are amazing i i should screenshot it and send it to you so that you believe me like because literally (laughs) i do believe you i do believe you literally all the same things 
<laughs> so I don't really have predictions to add to that because she had all my predictions. So I love this for us. Yeah, I, I love this for us too. Um, as far as announcements go, only one ratings down slightly this week, but not anything to worry about. One, because it always happens after a first episode of any season, much less a pilot episode. Uh, but they still got a point one in the demo ratings, uh, which is pretty, pretty significant, actually. So as long as they keep that point one in the demo, um, that means that we're, we're, we're doing pretty, pretty well. Let's be honest. Uh, it's the summertime. Less people are watching TV. Um, especially new shows, um, your established shows are going to have a higher viewership. Uh, and that's where Tom Swift is going to find uh, some some favor, right? Is that once season one is over, they'll pick up viewers with streaming. Yeah, they so. will. Most CW shows do. But that brings us to the end of our episode. So I think we actually forgot to do our social media stuff last week. So let's make sure that oh, we get right. all that out. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Making a Drood. You can also find me personally on Twitter, pretty much just on Twitter, um, at SlowBurnMac, M-A-C. And you can find Teresa also. Yeah, on Twitter and on Instagram, but I'm barely on Instagram. Uh, but at Twitter, you can find me at T-E-R-E underscore D-V-95. Yeah, so that's where you can find us. Come talk to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're two episodes in now, so everybody should be getting all the thoughts at this point. So we'd love to hear them. But for today, that's all we've got. So we'll catch you later, dudes. Bye.